Welcome to the Grad School Femtoring Podcast, the place for first-gen students of color to prepare for grad school. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Fu, and I will be serving as your femtor, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into and successfully navigate grad school. For over 10 years, I've been helping first-gen students of color get into top grad programs in their field, and I'm really excited to support you on your academic journey too. Welcome back to the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Yvette. And for today's solo episode, I'm going to be sharing some strategies for building an effective dissertation writing routine. I have been working on a Grad School Femme Touring Guide under publication and under contract with UC Press. I am working with a co-author, Dr. Miroslava Chavez-Garcia, and together we have been working on this book in a rather seamless way. It has been such a joy and a pleasure to collaborate with her on this project. And it brings to mind just what a stark difference it is writing this book now than it was for me when I was writing my dissertation. And I have learned several strategies, tips, tricks, for implementing what has been an effective writing routine for myself that I wish I would have known when I was a grad student because my experience writing my dissertation as a grad student was quite the opposite. It was not joyful. It was, it didn't feel seamless. It felt like there were a lot of roadblocks, a lot of bumps on the road, a lot of hurdles. And Again, had I known some of these things, I think that would have minimized the discomfort. I, I don't think it would have been easy by any means. Writing a dissertation is never easy. Getting a PhD is never easy by any means, but it definitely would have helped me out. And so let's go straight into these strategies. I believe I have eight of them that I'm going to share today. And the first three, I'm actually borrowing these ideas from this book that I read this year called Atomic Habits by James Clear. Now, the book is all about habit formation. So learning what it takes to develop habits, to um, acquire them, implement them, how to set up a system and set up an environment that will lead to success. However you define success, whatever you want to accomplish, how do you design a system to help you get that done. And so the first three, like I said, are from this book. So the first one is you want to make your, your system, your routine easy. What do I mean by easy? That means instead of setting up these lofty goals that, oh, I'm going to wake up every morning at 5 a.m. and write for two hours before I get ready to go to work and blah, blah, blah. Um, no, that, that, <laughs> just thinking about that makes me dread the thought of writing. But, you know, some folks actually greatly enjoy writing and I am not always that person. Sometimes I do enjoy it. Sometimes I don't look forward to doing it. And so if I make it easy and tell myself, okay, what is a very easy goal for me to meet? Okay, maybe the easy goal is I'm going to open up my document, I'm going to open up my notes, I'm going to open up my article, whatever it is that I'm working on related to my writing, in your case, your dissertation. And I'm going to 
only spend five or 10 minutes on it. In fact, James Clear introduces this idea of a two-minute rule. If there's anything you want to start doing, try doing it for two minutes. So you want to start running, put on your shoes, and go outside of your door. And if after two minutes of being outside with your running shoes and running for two minutes, you're done, then you're done. But odds are you're more likely to keep it up and do it for a little bit longer if you just get started for two minutes. And so that is, you know, in my case, I would always set like 10 minute, 10 to 15 minute timers and tell myself, I'm at least gonna open my document for 10 to 15 minutes. And again, more often than not, you will keep going longer because sometimes the hardest part is opening up your laptop and getting started. So tip number one, or strategy number one is to make it easy. Set easy goals for yourself. Now, the second strategy is to make it attractive. What do we mean by that is what can you do to set up a routine so that you look forward to dissertation writing? Like I mentioned earlier, I don't always look forward to writing but what if you create or come up with some sort of ritual that you practice every single time before you get started writing? So that ritual could be making yourself a cup of coffee or tea. That ritual could be playing your favorite music. That ritual could be logging on on Zoom to meet up with the buddy who you're going to be doing a co-working session with. Something that actually genuinely makes you look forward to the act of writing, do that. Make it attractive. That's that's strategy number two. Now, the next strategy is to make it obvious. What do we mean by make it obvious? That means you want to set up your environment so that it is obvious that it's something that you want to or need to get done. That might mean having your laptop out on your um, desk, along with your notes, along with some books, whatever it is to remind you, oh, right, I need to work on a dissertation. That might mean this is actually something that I've, that I've been doing since dissertation writing that I continue to do now is whenever I'm writing, I don't end at the end of a section at the end of a chapter I always end in the middle of something so in the middle of a thought in the middle of a paragraph why because if I end in the middle it's really easy for me to come back the next day and pick up where I left off because I know where I left off if I do somehow end at the end of a section at the end of a chapter I write down in my notes um, what it was that I last worked on and what I'm going to do next. So that way, next time I open up my computer, sit down to write, I know what to work on next. I don't have to, you know, keep um, splitting my hairs over what is it that I'm going to work on next? No, I have a plan for what's next. So starting in the middle is also a way of making it obvious. And then also having a designated workstation or writing station, having things that prompt you to do it. So for instance, make it obvious might mean you want to learn how to play an instrument, then you're going to have that instrument out in your living room. 
making it obvious might mean you want to start cycling. So maybe you get a stationary bike that you have right there in your bedroom to remind you to ride the bike. Whatever it is, again, making it obvious will help you to get those things done. All right, so those were the first three. Again, I said I borrowed that from Atomic Habits. So if you liked those first three strategies, you should read that book. I found it really helpful and um, there's a lot of gems in there. So this is just three out of uh, so many countless gems that I gathered from that book. Okay, so the next one, and I think some of us keep might hear this over and over again, but it's all about setting boundaries. So what do I mean by that? Setting boundaries around your dissertation writing routine. So what I mean is that you need to take a look at your obligations and you need to take a look at the things that you're saying yes to and the things that you're saying no to, because every single instance that you're saying yes to something else, you're actually saying no to your dissertation writing. So this means not only setting boundaries, but prioritizing your, your writing. I know that's easier said than done because sometimes you can't help but have other obligations. You can't help but have a teaching assistantship. You can't help but have a part-time job to make ends meet. You can't help but take care of your ch children because you're a parenting student. I understand that, but there are also lots of opportunities that are presented to you that are not required where you can say no. And just remind yourself, every time you're saying no to something, you're saying yes to something else. I had to, this actually reminds me when I was an undergrad, I remember, I think it was my junior or senior year, I was presented with the opportunity to direct a theater show and I was so excited but at the same time, so conflicted because I also was presented with the opportunity to focus solely on my research. And I ended up choosing the research over theater directing because I knew that my goal was to go to graduate school and that the research would weigh more heavily than the theater directing experience. And so in that case, I had to prioritize my research over my theater work. And I don't regret it because it worked out in my favor. It I, I did end up getting into grad school like I planned. Um, so in your case, how can you say no to things to say yes to your dissertation writing? How can you set more boundaries around it so that you can honor your writing? All right, the next strategy is all about accountability. And this is a big one. I think you have to be really um, honest and uh, reflective of how you work well. So you really have to get to know yourself to learn what forms of accountability work best for you. Do not try to be like other people. It's, and if you start to compare yourself or my, I mean, it's, it's hard to not compare yourself to others, right? Other people who seem to be, to have everything um, to, you know, there, there are folks who they just seem to to get it and to do things easily. And they maybe they work really quickly, really efficiently, and you can't help but compare yourself. But in those instances, um, remind yourself that you have your own ways of doing things. You have your own methods of account accountability that work best for you. So for instance, I always 
wished that I could be the graduate student that could write by myself and work on my own and get a lot done. But that wasn't true for me. What worked best for me was to be involved in writing groups and to have uh, co-working buddies and to have regular ongoing meetings with my advisor. That's what I needed to make progress, consistent progress. And guess what? I'm not fighting it this time around. I'm writing a book. I am very fortunate that I get to collaborate and I'm not writing it by myself. So I have a co-author. And what do we do? We check in every week on our writing progress. I also have co-working buddies. And um, I have at least one co-working session each week with someone so that I make sure that I touch my writing every single week. And so for the accountability, accountability means taking ownership of something. So what can you do to take ownership of your dissertation writing? How can you own it? How can you implement accountability systems within your writing so that way you get it done and work with what historically has proved to be best for you? Don't try to be like other people. Try to lean into what works best for you. All right. Another strategy is to pay close attention to your timeline. So if you don't have a dissertation writing timeline, this is my reminder to create one for, for yourself. In fact, I have an episode all about how to create a dissertation writing timeline, and I will put that in the show notes in case you want to check it out. So what do I mean by this, by paying close attention to your timeline? I mean that you want to make sure that your timeline is realistic to you. Um, and you want to determine monthly writing goals and weekly writing goals. I am actually finishing up uh, reading this book called The 12 Week Year. And it's all about how to set up a system to get more done in 12 weeks than most people get done in a year. <laughs> how do you do that? It's because if you have a very clear vision, which then turn into goals, which then turn into weekly or key tasks that you can get done every week, then you're consistently working towards your goal. And if you consistently work towards your goal and they even have a scoring system. So let's say you have 10 key actions that you want to get done every week. If you get eight out of 10 done every week consistently, if you're consistently scoring 80% or more, you're gonna meet your goal. And so how does this apply to your timeline? Um, because if you have a timeline and you have it set up so that you have your, maybe it's quarterly or semester goals and you're consistently meeting them and then you have your bigger vision, the annual timeline of when you're gonna finish and file, you're going to know exactly when you're ahead or behind, or even when maybe your timeline is a bit too ambitious and you might need to give yourself more time. I see this so many times where folks say, oh, I'm going to write a chapter per, per quarter or per semester. And then um, by the time I'm done with the last chapter, I'm going to finish and file that, that term but they might not account for revisions. They might not account for editing, formatting. All of that takes time. 
And so just pay close attention. Make sure you have a timeline. Pay close attention to it. Be realistic with it uh, because that's going to help you keep your eye on the prize. If you have a timeline, you know what you're working towards. It's not going to feel like this nebulous thing that's out there like, oh, one day you're going to finish. No, you're going to have the end in sight. Okay. The next strategy is one of my favorites. It's all about time blocking. Time blocking is the act of setting aside a period of time on your calendar. It could be every day. It could be every week. But that time is supposed to be dedicated to one thing and one thing only. It's the opposite of, um, it's it's a kind of monotasking. So the opposite of multitasking. And it's having, but it's monotasking for an extended period of time. So what does that mean? Time blocking can mean setting aside three hours once a week or three hours, three times a week or two hours, five times a week, whatever works for you. And that time is the time dedicated towards your writing. So this can be time that you're reading, note-taking, free writing, talking out loud, whatever it is, anything that's going to help you make progress on your writing, you set aside that extended period of time for you to do that. I would do something similar to time blocking um, where when I was dissertating, I would have one week in a month that was my catch-up weekend. And so that weekend I would spend multiple hours, like four to eight hours per day, almost like a writing retreat to play catch up on anything that I might have missed during the that month, during the weekdays that, you know, life happens. And so now I do not do the writing retreats, extended sessions on the weekends because I want to I want to honor my weekends with my family, but I do do the time blocking and the time blocking means I have at least one three hour block every week dedicated to writing. And it's not always putting words down on a page. It can include, like I said, the reading, the note taking, the free writing, even uh, to this day, I will, if I'm really stuck, I will talk out loud, record myself and transcribe it and get something out of that. So time blocking is great if you haven't done that. Um, the benefits of it is that it helps you to work on one thing at a time with fewer distractions than if you have a, a to-do list of a lot of things that you're trying to get done all at the same time. Okay, now onto the last strategy. And the last strategy is to know your pace. This kind of brings me back to the discussion of the timeline, because as a graduate student, if you're writing a dissertation, there is going to be an expectation that your advisor has about your timing and how long it's going to take you to write the dissertation. Now, it can be difficult to um, manage expectations if your pacing is not aligned with the pacing that your advisor expects from you. And so for for example, if your advisor expects you to write the dissertation in two years, but at the pace that you're going, you know you're not going to get done in two years, it is better to have, to be upfront and have that conversation, even if it's uncomfortable, um, have that conversation with your advisor to let them know, look, I, these are the things that I have going on. This is the pacing that works best for me. How can we work around me staying an extra year so that I can finish the dissertation um, and do it in a way that is sustainable for me, you know? 
So something like this actually happened to me throughout the, the book writing process recently. Um, while working on the first few chapters of the book, I noticed that my pacing was not aligned with the pacing of my co-author. She is a lot quicker than me. I'm slower with the writing. And so I had to have that conversation of like, you know what, we're going to need to shift our timeline because I don't want you to be writing more than me because solely because you write faster. Uh, and also like, I want to make sure that I put in my fair share of contribution to the book and to do that, I'm going to need more time. And that, you know, it can sometimes be an uncomfortable conversation, uncomfortable conversation. In my case, I, again, thankfully I'm working with someone who I get along with very well. And so the conversation was not uncomfortable or intimidating by any means, but it can be, especially if you are a graduate student talking to your advisor, there's that power dynamic there, but it's important to advocate for yourself. And that's one way to advocate for yourself is acknowledging that you have a different pace than others and a different pace than what's expected of you. And then asking for accommodations, whether that means an extended timeline or more funding so you could have a fellowship year instead of a TA ship or whatever works for you to ensure that you get it done. Because, you know, I would rather you work on your dissertation at a pace that works well for you than burn yourself out than have to take a leave or burn yourself out then deciding you don't want to keep going and you, um, not only take a leave of absence, but decide to leave the program altogether, or you stay in the program, but there's a lot of um, tension between you and your advisor because of a lack of communication. So I don't want those things from you. Better to advocate for yourself upfront. Um, just uh, the more you communicate and advocate for yourself, the better the writing process will be for you. All right, those are my strategies for um, building an effective dissertation writing routine. Hopefully you picked up on a few that will help you try them out, see what works for you. I know that I'm constantly vacillating between trying different things and so far so good. I have been really enjoying this writing process. Some days are better than others. I don't expect myself to be 100% consistent every single day, but I am consistent in my weeks and months. Uh, and by consistent, I don't mean that I get every single thing done. No, it means that I make progress and enough progress to reach my goals. Um, and then if I don't, I may just modify my timeline and that's okay. So remember, you're in charge of your dissertation writing process, routine and experience. Um, that's it for this week. I hope you all have a good rest of your week. Thanks so much for joining me in the Grad School Femtoring Podcast. If you liked what you heard, here are three ways you can support the show. The first is to make sure you're subscribed and leave a review of the podcast. If you leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, you become eligible for a free half-hour coaching session with me. Yes, that's right, one free session. Once you leave a review, you can email me a screenshot and I'll send you a link to sign up. The second way to show your love is to get yourself a copy of my free 
15-page grad school femtoring kit, which includes resources on research, organization, grad school, and career prep. Go to gradschoolfemtoring.com slash kit to get it today. The third and last way to support my show is to follow me on social media. I am on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and occasionally TikTok with the handle at Grad School Femtoring. Thanks again, and until next time. <laughs>